Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending when you've tuned in to this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again by birth, Alex William Smith, but known uh, by many of you better by my stage name, Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis of magicalguru.com. And I've got another amazing guest for you this week, um, a gentleman who I met um, a number of years ago now. And we basically, we first met when he came to one of my uh, live training events. We then got talking. Um, we hit it off. And I turned around and because I resonated with this gentleman, I actually turned around, believe it or not, and asked him about um, doing his NLP training, doing NLP training with him, practitioner, master practitioner, and trainer trainers. And for those who know me, you'll think, seriously? Well, those who know me, if you have, if you don't have me on Facebook, you might actually want to go on Facebook and look around my photo albums that are public, and you'll see that despite the fact that I'm very outspoken about hypnosis, NLP, or whatever fancy name you might want to give it to market and sell it these days, um, I do do probably more what's getting termed CPD, continuing professional development. Um, I prefer to call it being nosy and seeing what other courses are, are teaching and is there really anything new out there? And generally speaking, there isn't. Um, so I do do stuff, but um, every now and again, I've had people in the past say to me, ooh, you, you, you're teaching NLP and uh, you're not even a, a, a qualified NLP trainer, which, which is nonsense because we could have that argument and maybe we will later that the only people who could really say you were NLP trainers is uh, Bandler and Grinder or people that they'd qualified to be trainers or part of that lineage because after all it is just a trading style and name that Richard came up with to avoid the fact that hypnotherapy wasn't allowed where he was in America at the time. It's pretty much the same. Um, but if, if we go with that argument that it has to be Bandler or Grinder, um, given you know that I'm acutely aware that Richard Bandler knows who I am, um, I, I don't know if he's watched a lot of my DVDs, but I am led to believe he's definitely seen a number of them, and uh, he, he wasn't, well, he, he's not particularly pleased at anyone claiming to teach people NLP, because he believes he owns it, which clearly he doesn't legally, because he lost the uh, trademark on it in England. Anyway, my point is that if we go down the lineage thing, the gentleman I'm about to introduce you to is certified by Richard Bandler and John Grinder. He's equally also certified, and including to the level of trainer-trainers, with John Overdurf and Julie Silverthorne. And uh, Now, a lot of you are uh, thinking, that name sounds familiar. Well, that's because probably you've read their book, Training Trances. And if you haven't, it's, it's an amazing book to read. So when I discovered that Richard A, I resonated with, B, got on with and liked, and C, um, has, for those who are bothered by such things, the correct pedigree and lineage in regards to NLP. I figured it a no-brainer to do his course, which I did, which I thoroughly enjoyed. 
Um, I learned some bits, and the re the only reason I'm saying some bits are not tons. If I was starting from scratch, so if you're watching this and you've not done an NLP course, you've only done a little tiny bit, I unreservedly recommend that you contact this gentleman via his link below, and I will introduce him in a moment, uh, because you will learn tons. It's only because I'd already been in the business for the best part of 30 years and read literally thousands of books, watched literally hundreds and hundreds of DVDs and gone course on course on course. But even though I'd done that, I'm still saying I still learned some new tricks. Um, just as I did with one of his other major contributions to the industry, before we get to his most recent one, is that he very kindly, he's a member of my Elite Hypnosis Bootcamp, and he very kindly put together a 30 days, 28 days, to uh, success. And this involved effectively doing a between an hour, sometimes almost two hours, generally somewhere in between, video every day for 28 days, covering a different essential area of hypnotherapy nlp building your business how to help people with you name it no subject no stone is left unturned taking one each day explaining it from his point of view and also from his experiences of being a certified bandler and grinder nlp practitioner being a certified john overdurf and julie silverthorne nlp master trainer and all the other experiences and knowledge he brings to the table and adding those in as well to add extra icing to the cake to make it even more wonderful for you and then referring you to the relevant areas inside the elite hypnosis boot camp so boot camp members have only joined recently who are watching this on hypnosis week or rather listening to it if you're thinking there's too much stuff in the boot camp look at the 28 days to hypnosis success first because each day you will learn stuff for the 28 days. By the eight of the 28 days, uh, arguably you'll know more than a lot of people who've been on these month-long or six-month-long hypnotherapy courses. You will, because such is the wonderful training skills of uh, Richard. And you will, by the end of that 28 days, quite justifiably be able to say that you are proficient uh, in rapid instant change hypnosis, which... This gentleman's also kindly given us permission as boot camp members to use. And then you'll be able to cherry pick from the rest of the boot camp based on what you've learned off the man I'm about to introduce to you. A man who has worked with bodybuilders to get them to win the world championships. A man who's helped the Welsh national squad football team. He's helped X Factor semi-finalists. He's... Um, a best-selling author uh, he's got a book out called the journey inside coaching to the core which he'll tell us more about shortly please welcome to the show finally i bet you're thinking thank god let's hear the guest please welcome to the show richard haggerty how are you doing sir i'm doing really well well thank you for that very kind and very generous introduction alex it is wonderful, oh, to, be, wonderful to be here Wonderful to well, be here. Let's start right at the beginning. Uh, this is the same question I ask everyone week after week, and that is obviously there was a time when you didn't know about hypnosis, when you didn't know about NLP, when you didn't do coaching, when you didn't do these things. What's your background? What's your journey? How did you get here? Cool. Well, it, it was really simple for me. Ever since I was quite small, I've been um, seeing the world maybe a little bit differently from others, partly because I was brought up in East Africa. And um, we basically started school seven in the morning, finished at 12. 
At 12, I would go to the seaside and I'd swim for seven, eight hours, swim out in the Indian Ocean, I'd go fishing, I'd go on safari, I'd do all these cool things. And then I got sent to boarding school in England um, when I was about nine or 10. And, you know, people sort of say, oh, I wonder what it's like if an alien goes to another planet or comes to Earth. What would they feel like? Well, that was like it for me. And I the way that other people were seeing the world was just very different for me. And I and I so it's taken me a long time to kind of um, try and understand that. But I think what it is, is there's there's cultural hypnosis. Uh, there's our individual hypnosis and conditioning. And very early on, I realized that um, there were skills that I had and perceptions that other people didn't and there were things that I couldn't do and so I've always sought to plug those gaps through you know since I was very little mind mapping speed reading my method of loci using your mind your imagination and I really really loved all that stuff and it always gave me an edge and um, when it came to exams so I could pretty much beat most people by doing studying less cherry picking like like I know you're really great at cherry picking the few things that make the difference nailing them and going in and, and delivering and so I, I went on doing this, to cut a long story short, I went on doing this for years. I think there was um, a missing part for me was managing my state on occasion, just being able to stay motivated, stay connected to something. And about 20 years ago, I stumbled into a hypnosis training. Actually, it was an NLP training. I only went to that because I heard it was going to help with accelerated learning and using your mind. Okay. Staggered into it. It was all about hypnosis. And I suddenly realized, I was amazed that you could feel good inside you could feel comfortable inside i could feel completely motivated switched on alive my mind focusing incredibly well without needing a cigarette a joint you know a beer um uh, stuffing my face full of something that i could get that i could train myself internally i could reach a state of focus very quickly and easily without anything on the outside and it was just a it was a moment for me i remember the induction somebody did a very basic induction uh, setting up a few sliding anchors on my arm uh, it was one of bandless trainings it wasn't the greatest induction ever but the guy was very good the guy i was working with and the audience was was very kind and i felt so good inside I, it stayed with me at that moment i knew this is what i want to do i want to help other people break through their own limitations doesn't matter where they are what background break through those limitations as well because for me i realized that no longer did my history the world the outside have any real relevance to my success how i felt inside i could literally choose how i wanted to be how i wanted to interact with the world i could trust myself trust my unconscious i guess as you know ericsson used to say so that, that that's, that's that's kind of my journey in a nutshell and um ever since then i've just been you know, I, I, yeah, I just love all things hypnosis, really, all things unconscious mind, the neuroscience, the placebo effect, priming, symbolism, doesn't matter what it is. You know, I uh, if it's out there, I want to I want to find out about it. I want to learn about it. I want to use it. You work, do I recall correctly, you used to work for, I'm trying to remember the name, did all the mind gadgets and... Yes, yes. That. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's um, so over the years I've worked for um, I've, I've that interest has gone kind of in parallel with personal development. 
So I used to review all the latest um, uh, uh, products from uh, Learning Strategies Corporation in America, um, who are a really big one. They do the paraliminals photo ring. I used to do it for Nightingale Conant. But there's a company in England which had one of the, the other than Nightingale Conant, had the biggest mailing list at the time, um, which is Life Tools. That's it, Life Tools. Yeah, there's a wonderful gentleman, uh, Chris Payne, who's a good, good friend of mine, who... Um, uh, built that company up um, over many years and yeah really introduced um, a lot of the the kind of mind development technologies and I used to um, basically what happened was I used to I was a very enthusiastic customer I used to review all the products anyway I used to have conversations with him and I loved this stuff and where it really worked I let him know I let the producers know and basically at a certain point I contacted the US and I said look you have got these great tools photo reading deep trance notification image streaming I think you should put together this course and I gave an outline and I contacted that company and a few months later they started doing it in fact they produced it produced their best-selling product ever sold it worldwide and obviously I, I didn't ask anything for it. I like as you know I, I love ideas I'm happy mm. to share them and Chris contacted me he said Rich they only went and made that product that you told them to do yeah and, and he said look I'm doing a seminar for this will you come along long story short we we got to know each other really well became friends with his family and um, Chris was producing a product at the time called the Effort Free System. Um, it's a really cool, really cool system. And he'd asked me to help him with that, help me to produce it. So we worked together for around, I can't remember how many months. We worked together over quite a few months, uh, many years back to produce that. And again, that for him was a really big, uh, a really big hit. So yeah, so I've, I'm very familiar with personal development stuff. I can tell you that the vast majority, 99%, doesn't do what what it says it's going to do on the tin, but there is that one percent that can make a big difference. Well, there you, you go. Know... You just knocked off half a dozen of my questions with that one statement. Ninety nine percent of it doesn't do what's what what's on the tin. We both agree on that for sure. Yeah, yes. but there is that tiny bit that does, isn't there? There is, there is, and and I think you know now over the last sort of particularly over the last five years, I've started working much more with um, pretty much uh, uh, hypnotists and coaches, people who basically our job is if we're working one-to-one -one or with groups, we've got to help them do one thing, have certainty that they can absolutely do what they need to do. They have certainty they can overcome their problem, certainty they can learn, certainty they can break through in these times, certainty their business is going to be resilient, certainty that really they can transform. When we're talking about certainty, let's be really clear what we mean about that. We're talking about the placebo effect practically in action. As a hypnotist, you've got to transform your own mindset and attitude so much. Your hypnotic intent, whether you're using prestige suggestions, whatever, has got to be so firm that the person you're working with has no option but to start to believe in themselves. And, and that's, where, that's where the real magic and real interest happens. And I think that is the challenge, even with the 1% of stuff that's really good. If you don't have that framework around it built properly, it, it, the results can be a bit wobbly and a bit hit and miss. So I've kind of jumped in. I've got off a bit of a tangent, but does that make no, sense? No, 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 I find that. I'm sure that'll keep happening over the next hour or so, um, which can, I'm going to just catch up on something you just said there. There's a bit of an oxymoron there, and I agree with you entirely. Intent, ooh, it's got to be there. It's got to be so you know, yes. you're so confident yes. Uh, yes. that it's transmitted to them. I think a lot of therapists fall down on that one, though, because... They prefer to, they think that that means that you've got to go completely down the authoritarian 
Yes. Hypnotist approach. Uh, you yes. will do this. You will stop smoking. Yes. And he wants them off because that may not be their personality. You got it. Absolutely. But it is possible actually to have that intent and project it and still use your more permissive Ericksonian type approaches, isn't it? Well, Tom, absolutely. You got it in one. So um, the, the model I would use for this um, to, if somebody wants something practical, they can go away and really, really use this. And one of the best models in the world, you know, hands down, nobody can dispute unmastered authority in this, this field is um, Chris Voss, the FBI hostage um, uh, negotiator. Mm -hmm. And his book, Never Split the Difference. And basically what, what his approach is exactly that. You stay calm. You have your radio DJ voice. He calls it like your radio DJ voice. You stay calm. It doesn't matter what's going on. The calmness and the certainty, it's the certainty and the calmness that you project. And you allow the other person to express their emotion. You see, there's a real problem um, in, in academia and in courses around influence. They assume that people are rational. Whereas all the people who are experts in this field understand that we're totally irrational and we function by emotion. Mm -hmm. However, we do kind of like want to get that part of the brain, sort of the neocortex and so forth. We want to kind of be able to reconnect with that. And you have to do that by meeting people where, where they're at. And so you're exactly right. It's the certainty that you have. But it can be a calm certainty. You know, you you're you're you have to have certainty, if you will, like a hypnotic willpower, hypnotic um, certainty that you can deliver to the people that you're with. And that means you need to develop your own rituals in your day to day life inside your own mind so that you trigger that placebo effect inside yourself. Another way of saying that is total belief mm -hmm. that you absolutely can do it. And you want to marry that up with solid skills. So you want the, the you want the the confidence, but you want the competence so that they're together absolutely. So that when you're with somebody else, the very fact that you're with them in that style that's right for you, that's right for your audience, that's right for the person you're with, comes across. And you're right. I tend to sort of have a mixture between the more kind of uh, calm. Um, I mean, the ideal is to have a spectrum there when you're working with somebody, because you might, as a hypnotist, on occasion, want to kind of just get somebody a little bit more, just ramp things up a little bit for them, just make it a little bit more high energy. But other times you want to calm, you want to bring it back. So it's it's really helpful to have that flexibility. But you're right. What well, we don't have to be a good pattern interrupt as well, can it? If, yes. if they think you're Mr. or Mrs. or Miss or whatever you title, listener, we don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> uh, uh, and you've been authoritarian all the way through, and then suddenly you're so calm and almost emotionless. Yes. That will come unexpectedly, or vice versa, if you're absolutely permissive all the way through, and then suddenly, for Christ's sake, get your head together. Definitely. That's going to be a total shock to the system. Beautiful, beautiful. You exactly, and we can do this the other way around. So another great, you know, model of uh, just really wonderful person to to read and look at in terms of sales is um, Jordan Belfort. You know, the Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, yeah. and uh, and I remember you very kindly once gave me the, uh, the 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 DVD of that. 
But one of the things he'll do is, so he'll be speaking, and you might have a typical sales pattern going on, which of course is hypnosis. You know, it's where we're, we're helping somebody trigger the placebo effects inside themselves to realize that we're the person who can help them deliver the product or service. And of course, if you can do that, then absolutely you have business doing that. And so you can be going along, and at a certain point, you may need to shift your body. But if you recall, when we started this conversation, you had something really important that you wanted to achieve. And now you can come back, so you can do it the other way around. He calls this, he basically will, will, will go from the very uptime kind of thing into, he basically, I think the way he does is he kind of looks around the room and moves in and he slows down. A secret. He is telling them a secret and you know why? Because in the Cialdini's, in the, the Cialdini principles, scarcity is one of the like core things. If somebody knows that you've got 10 products and they're going to be gone by midnight, they're more motivated to buy. We know this. Mm -hmm. If I'm telling you a secret, I'm telling you something that only a few people in the world know. And who doesn't want to be part of that? I mean, who doesn't want to be part of that kind of elite stuff? So you can switch it around, use that pattern interrupt exactly like you're saying. You can, you can go kind of, you know, hardcore loud to break the pattern. Or you can simply adjust your body, your physiology, your tonality and move into that. And the key is to do it smoothly. Don't just like when we're chatting away, go, and Alex, because that's going to freak weird people out. OK, you need to do it. You need to do it gradually. OK, you don't want to be a weirdo. You know, even if you're doing NLP and hypnosis, you don't have to be a handstand weirdo all the time. You know, you can just you can just sort of go, you know, use a little transition word, you know, so. And pause. If you remember, now you can do it. And it's a little bit more natural because you've you've given a little bit of a pause. You've given them like they're un they're kind of expecting something different. You've paused. You're not just going to rush into it. That's going to freak them out. That's going to be weird. And unfortunately, as we know, a lot of people who learn these things end up being real weirdos and annoying everyone because they don't understand that there's principles behind it. It's not the it's not the tools and reading stuff out in the script that works. It's the principle behind it. You're connecting with a human being. Treat them as a human being. Yeah, it can be a fun game. If you know there's an NLP training going on, uh, <laughs> look online, see when Bandler's doing his next one in London. If you happen to be in London, go and hang around the hotel um, and wait for the end of the day or, or lunchtime when there's going to be normal customers there and the people from the seminar are suddenly going to appear in the bar and stuff and play. Spot the NLP student because they will be the ones that are doing the most inappropriate body language because they've missed the point entirely. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, mean I, I think that it, it sort of depends where you are and your kind of level of consciousness. I mean, a, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, um, Paul McKenna was coming to Cardiff because I've done training ages ago. They said, oh, look, you know, they sent me a complimentary ticket. And I went along and on one level, it's, it's a good sort of lecture, solid lecture demo. It's exactly the same as he was doing, you know, 20 years ago. But it's very solid, you know, um, it's introduced one or two extra little things, but, you know, uh, some very simple little kind of, you know, uh, uh, they've stopped the tapping now, but, you know, taking a little voice from your head and moving it out. You're changing doing the evening now, isn't it? It's the evening. That's exactly it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the stroking. It's the, the, the stroking. Um, and, you know, and it's really interesting because actually if you do NLP, you do hypnosis, you'll know or at timeline, a lot of the time the initial interventions don't work. Now, that's fine. It doesn't matter. 
because you do it casually and you're testing a little bit like with convincers you know you try something out just say oh look we're going to do this and then whatever they whatever happens you say oh that's interesting and usually it takes a little bit off so he went through did his thing did the havening no real change I mean, he picked quite a challenging area, but then mm -hmm. afterwards he did three integrations very quickly. So, you know, the stress here, relaxation here, bring it together. And he did that three times very quickly, very easy, simple uh, way to do. You have the, the problem here, the solution here, just suggest, you know, you've got your stress here about being able to solve this. You've got your relaxation here. In a moment, we're going to pull those together as they come together. You're going to be focusing here. You're going to be thinking about it. You're going to see it come together. And as you do, you're feeling comfortable inside. You know, you're feeling good. You feel totally in control. And even so, he still needed to do three of those in quick succession. To the audience, it looked like everything worked because, of course, mm -hmm. that's the way we're doing these things. That's the way it is. Yeah. But if you understand the principles behind it, you can see you've got fail, 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 fail. A little bit of success, a little bit of success, a bit more success. And as long as you maintain your composure, your equanimity, it doesn't matter. You know, you see, the thing is, Jonathan, one of the reasons, and I've got a little confession to make, but I'll put it out there. I learned back in the day, I learned two inductions. In fact, well, I kind of, they weren't really inductions anyway, if, if indeed an induction exists. But that's another, that's another kind of thing, all right? So I basically, don't, um, I saw one hypnotist lift the hand up, do catalepsy, and then suggest it comes down. And then I did peripheral vision, look at a point, expand your vision out, and focus inside. Um, I've learned that from John and Judy, watching them in their trainings. I used to do all my sessions like that with, with clients. I would do go through, do the NLP sort of stuff, and get them feeling good and all whooped up or happy, relaxed, calm, whatever they needed. And I'd usually do something called the six-step reframe, which I loved, but but um, very few hypnotists really sort of felt comfortable with. And then I would yeah, usually... ironically, let me just jump in there. Remember yeah. where you are, what you used yeah. to do. But I'm yeah. going to just jump in at six steps. Yeah. In fact, no, just let me write this note here. Six yeah. step. We'll come back to it. Okay, yeah. sorry. Carry on with no, what no, you go were. For it. Go, go for it, because because um, the six-step reframe and integrate, you know, integration, parts integration, visual squash are really the two things that you want to, as a hypnotist, understand. If you understand the principles behind them, you can pretty much um, clear up anything that, that's. Well, that, every that's, man and his dog jumped on the bandwagon. We've got, and I, I, I've done the the stuff. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, there's all pain to go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Which ultimately yes. is six steps. Step it's right. ultimately parts yeah, integration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he likes to make out he's twisted it a little bit differently. No, he hasn't. Um, yes. 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 And just just because I can say it, um, if you if you go on my website magicalguru.com, click on blog, and then search the blog for all pain to go, you'll see the truth behind um, the background of. Oh, yes. To go and stuff. Anyway, and then you've got one of uh, the former trainers for old pain to go who's now yes. doing rapid pain elimination therapy. I'm a hypnotic advisor to them. But at least Martin does openly admit it is at its core the six step reframe, parts integration therapy. In fact, there's a whole bunch of bloody drain that, but there's so many different, most of them are yes. targeted to the pain niche, but. Yes. Then they yes. are now rebranding them and teaching it for different things. I have complete unconscious reprogramming of emotional disease and distress cured, which is in the boot camp, which again, it's just the six step reframe, nice. Nice. which goes back to, well, obviously it's in Frogs into Princes, yep. uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a much nicer explanation, personally, I think, in Tad James's Hypnosis, a Comprehensive Guide. Yep, yep. There's quite a good explanation in, I've forgotten the title of the book, which is ridiculous, given that apparently I am the rogue hypnotist, or at least so many people say on the internet. Yes. Yes. There's a good explanation in some of those books. Mm. Um, well, let's let's talk about your insights to six step reframing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it is a powerful. It's usable for everything. Definitely, definitely. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll give a tiny bit of context. I'll talk about that, and then I'll talk about what's beyond that. Okay, because yeah, we might as well we might as well we must do it. So I was mentioning about inductions that I was doing with the inductions. I had a couple of things, which was first of all. I never tell anyone I'm doing an. I would never tell anyone I was doing an induction. I just say, oh, look, we've got a little experiment here. So setting that frame took any pressure off the client and, and off me. But what happened was I realized that I practiced these things so many hundreds of times with consistency, with a very consistent attitude ritual that I knew solidly where to go. So later on, when I learned all the fancy schmancy rapid inductions and all that kind of stuff, that I knew where I was going. Now, the thing about the six-step reframe is, and I'm sorry, I made a little bit of a mistake early back in the day because I didn't realize that you couldn't just go and see somebody do hypnosis and um, that that didn't mean you were um, competent or an expert. So when I made the mistake that when I observed people doing something, I thought, well, I can do this. And I went out and did it and started helping people out. And I've never had any doubt in my ability to do that. And yet, um, I call them the 20 deadly traps that seasoned hypnotists make that destroy their success rates, you know, undermine their confidence and push down their inner success genie. I've seen that there's so few people, which is mind boggling, so few people who have confidence in their abilities, even when they've had the proper training to be able to use it. And so I, I mentioned that kind of like a mistake because I've, I, I've realized later on that there's many things I can still learn. However, I've always had that belief. And the six-step reframe was a good example of that. Grinder and Bandler have different um, uh, uh, sort of opinions on this. Bandler doesn't technically say that he likes it very much. Grinder, apparently the story is that he was ill once with the flu, went to bed, had a dream, woke up, had this. And for him, it is the pattern of all the uh, the NLP patterns. And of course, really, I mean, it come, you know, they've seen other hypnotists uh do this as well um you know uh, uh, ericsson famously you know used some versions of this but i think maybe let's sp- let's spend a minute and we can go through really the essence of what that is yeah, just in case you. just in case any, anyone doesn't doesn't know and yeah. the the whole essence of it is this if somebody has a problem it's it's an emotion it's a feeling ultimately inside them that is pulling their focus off course and as hypnotists we can help get that focus And if we speak to them in the right way, we can find out behind that emotion, that feeling, what the secondary gain is, the so-called secondary gain. What's the purpose? What's the higher intention of that problem? So like simple example, um, like an in the moment example, you suddenly, uh, you go across the road, a bus comes along or some idiot comes close to you, nearly knocks you and your, you know, your, your adrenaline goes up, your heart jumps and you jump out the way and you're saved. The higher purpose of that in the moment adrenaline rush is to keep you safe and protect you. Mm-hmm. And behind that is another higher purpose is once you're safe, oh, you can breathe, breathe that sigh of relief. And behind that sigh of relief is a sense of peace. And no matter 
what the problem, issue, feeling, whatever is, if you stick with it long enough, you will get to some version of peace, calm, happiness, joy. And there's an intention behind that. Now, on occasion, you may want to have that insight consciously for the, the person you're there. And there's differing approaches on that. Some people want to get that conscious insight. Some people want to suggest it happens later. There's pros and cons to all of those. Um, there's no necessarily one right way to do it. Um, but this is a very interesting way because you can set this up so that you get you know, a genuine communication from the unconscious mind or the non-conscious. Um, I probably differ in the way that I do that now um, in that I wouldn't necessarily need to get the finger signals and stuff, but traditionally you'll use the finger signals. You may use uh, some ideomotor signals. You may use, for instance, you know, you mentioned um, with some of the, the pain-to-go type stuff, or at least when I had that demoed on me. It was, a, it was a great example of using the physical body for that. So I'm standing there, you know, start swaying body one sway. way for a yes. Yes, right. Body sway for a yes. Body sway the other way for a no. Or head nub, slide head, head movement. Absolutely, absolutely. Really simple. So you're starting off, okay, what's your problem or issue? Not, yeah, let's just throw in there, because it's a similar thing in the motor response, although it's not necessarily yeah. a six-step reframe. Yes. Some elements might be. But Bob Burns has what he calls the swan. Yes. And ultimately, that's you putting your elbow on a table or on the palm of your other hand and letting your, uh, as your arm stuck up in the air, your hand leans over and it ends up looking a bit like a swan. What it yes. also looks like, though, is the position you'd end up in if you were holding a pendulum. Yes. And if you look at all books on the pendulum. Genius. You look and it's the position your arm's in when you'd be holding the pendulum for doing idiomotor response. And I've looked at old books on the pendulum, and if you rub out the pendulum, what have you got left? Bob Burns Swan. Beautiful. Which I named Subconscious Wave Analytical Negation. Could wow. I help him bring that product to market? Now, he tells, people, he tells people that I didn't. That's why I published all the screenshots <laughs> to prove he's a complete and utter liar who's posted defamatory nonsense about me. Um, just threw that in. It's got nothing to do, really, with... Other than... There isn't anything new. An idiomotor response is a very powerful thing. And Definitely. Just, yeah. Definitely. And and I think that I think you hit the nail on the head there. That the the with that the those kind of idiomotor response things you can fit into a lot of different ways. Either with hands, you know, fingers, body sway, head nods, um, and once you get good, I think it's really good to start off with those because you build up confidence uh, going through a particular routine. I would recommend probably starting off, I mean, a very simple way to do it is to use hand catalepsy and just suggest with uh, finger movements, okay? And you can suggest that to a person. One finger on your left hand will move for a yes, one finger on your right hand will move for a no. And if they don't get that, then of course, we step in as hypnotists and we'll move the finger for them and tell them that that finger's going to move when, okay, and we'll do that in the right way. You'll adjust your tone. If you'll be slightly, you probably want to be slightly, um, you want to stay the authority figure, but obviously if they're quiet as a mouse, you only need to just tell them like this. And if they're a bit brash, you need to be a little bit more brash. Go 10, 20% above them. You know, like the, the stuff with how you're supposed to dress, you know, if you're training for corporate people, it's just, just about 10%, you know, better than them, but don't, you know, keep it within a certain range. Um, but later on, once you get your your um, your skills and your instincts and your observation skills are, are, are sort of more refined, you can just do it more conversationally. 
and you can ask people you know you can ask them stuff you can get a baseline at the beginning of your conversation for a yes or a no their unconscious yes or no um, just as much as you would do if you're doing some kind of mentalism you'll you'll get a baseline at the beginning ask them some general questions in the chit chat that will elicit a yes and a no so you can get a genuine response do they hesitate before they speak do they blink do they look a certain mm -hmm. way does their body move and you'll test that out and then as you're going through that process you can do it entirely conversationally without them even recognizing that you're doing it and start to have those changes in there. So that's kind of like the more, should we say, more um, uh, advanced side, side of it. Um, you're still looking for stuff. It's just that you have set the context up earlier. Okay. That if sounds you've got some borderline depth. science fiction -y to anyone listening. A bit like, ooh, we're almost yes. mind reading. Think about body language. Um, yes. yes. Study body language. Robert Phipps, if you're in the boot camp, look at his training set on body language. He goes on about cues and signals, and it's about being able to use those as your arguably body language, the nonverbal communication that happens without people's conscious awareness. Yes, got it. Is idiomotor responses. It's the same thing. It's a physical reaction that's occurring without conscious awareness. So, you know, yeah, as uh, Richard just said, if you become more aware of those things, you can use them as your use definitely definitely and, and there's, there's an advantage to that because you can you can combine them so it's not like an exclusive thing you could start off um and you could have you can think through a few questions that might fit the context you know um you've come a long way here today you know and you've got the, you've had this problem for a while um and um you really want to get this fixed um and you can have some things they're likely to say no to you know um uh, and you, you really like, um, you know, like Alex, you, you're a big um, sports fan, aren't you? I mean, you, you're there, you're there every week on the terraces, you know, to watch, you know, yeah. so now, so now, so now, now I'm getting a sense of like where I'm going to go for, for my firm no, and I'm going to get a sense of that. I'm going to look at those things and I'm going to look at the yes, you know, look at the yes, you know, like, uh, you know, like we've both got, um, you've got a daughter, I've got a son, yeah. and that's really important that we, you know. As they would call it in NLP, you're calibrating absolutely absolutely yeah, and the reason i point that out is because nlp one of its biggest faults i personally think is probably through partly through to market things to make it look like people are going to learn something really magical or special so they can justify charging so much money but also partly so it gives the people a sense of oh we're part of a special group that know all these fancy buzzwords and terms we're better than you they give it fancy terms calibration why don't they just say uh, you know, calibration means finding out what their cues are for yes, which are for no, or which are for truth, which are for lies. Definitely. Uh, they give it fancy winky-wanky names, don't they? Exactly. And, and, and I think you're right. I mean, it's much more helpful to, to say paying attention to the other person. And as you say, <laughs> yeah. no, notice, notice, you know, you know, notice what's happening, basically. Um, we're saying here, notice the qualities of yes, notice the qualities of no. And it's a really good thing that you can do for people because the the, the magic, if you will, is not the kind of like the, that some guru or whatever has the magic or that process. It's the fact that you are observing and you're paying attention and you're starting to notice that stuff. And if you look at um, someone like, for instance, um, Jordan Belfort's sales trainings, he very specifically, you're looking, you know, you're looking at the, the, um, 
the tonality cues. You know, we know these kind of famous bird whistle sort of studies, you know, 7% of the communication is the words, 38% is the tonality, 58% is the, 55% is the body language. And obviously that was going to change quite a bit if you're on the phone. But you you can notice these things. And when you're noticing tonality, you want to notice pauses. You know, th there will be certain things that are very unique to that person. And honestly, you don't need to be an advanced expert on this. If you pay attention, people will give it to you. It'll be on their plate. You know, I mean, they'll literally, they'll, 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 they'll be sort of shaking their heads as they're telling you something they're uncertain about. Yeah. You know, and you can test it. You can test that again. You can get that response reliably. And it's a very nice way to do it unconsciously, um, just automatically more conversationally. So that if you do go to whether it's the hand signals or you're doing body sway or like the swan, like you say, and you or, you know, whether you're using a pendulum or you're getting them to imagine a pendulum, however you wish to do it have something set up you've already run through that you've tested it yourself i mean the only reason that i do convince you know i do convince us with people on a formal induction is to meet their expectations yeah in a hypnosis session there's no you don't need to go down all of that in fact all the evidence shows that the induction is largely unnecessary everyone most people coming to it and outside the field think that it's essential it's generally not um, at least in a therapeutic session. However, it, uh, for me, its benefit is it's a really big, powerful convincer to the other person. If they see their finger together, if yeah. oh, break uh, it up a bit, please come back. Stop the Broken up. I'm going to try ringing you back on the basis that I can always edit the audio together. So I'll ring you back. So there you go. These things happen, especially during the coronavirus uh, <laughs> of March 2020. Everyone on the internet, we lost you. But you were just telling us, you just explained, and we did get the explanation of how we can use silent, nonverbal, uh, communication, so-called body language, as the cues yes. for or truth or lies, fact, fiction, yes, no, as yes. uh, kind of idiom to response. Mm. And you were just then kind of going into giving a, a, an explanation for those who may not already know, who might not have read Frogs into Princes or the mm. other books we mentioned, of roughly what happens with the six-step reframe. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And... The, the key thing here is to to recognize that when you're working with somebody, they have a problem. The problem is a feeling or emotion, uh, it, which will link in with their thoughts as well. But ultimately, it's a feeling. It's a kind of something embodied in them. You Behind that is a higher intentional purpose. And there are lots of ways in which you can work at where you can, you can deal with that. I mean, you can go after the feeling directly with anchoring and many other tools and techniques. Um, or the, the havening, which is like... Uh, Quite a quite an interesting, uh, quite Give interesting. Give yourself a nice warm. Yes. Yes. yes exactly. Actually, when you're doing it, you look like you're in a straitjacket. It, it it's well, it's very relaxing, but it is a kind of a bit. It, it is. Um, yeah, it, it is a very interesting. Uh, I interviewed a few weeks ago um, mm -hmm. Stephen Travers. Who All right. For a long time, has been the island trainer for Havening. Mm -hmm. but he's just been made the head of European training. Wow. 
Um, and I grilled him for over an hour about Havening. And if you go to hypnosisweek.com, you'll be able to find my interview with Stephen Travers. Nice. And nice. whilst he wouldn't direct, he admit he, he would agree with me to a degree on my interpretation of Havening, but for obvious reasons, he couldn't agree with me entirely. But I summed it up as just being an important seeming ritualistic process delivered with intent, within confidence, with confidence, as you spoke about before. Something that seems so ridiculous, giving yourself a warm hug and rubbing your shoulders or whatever, that people have to rationalise it as this authority expert figure would only make me do something so daft if it had a real benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there might be an element of because your left hand goes on your right shoulder, your right hand goes on the left shoulder because the crossed over as though you're hugging yourself, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're confusing the left and right hemispheres of the brain and bringing hemisphere. Maybe, but I think it's more about the ritual person. Sure, sure. I, no, I, I would agree, and I'll, I'll, I can add a couple of little, little things to it because I think it's important. I think one... I mean, I had an experience once where I think when I did the the first hypnosis training I was talking about where I had a formative experience, somebody set up some uh, two or three, no, it was a chain of about four anchors on my arm. So like, you know, nice feelings, slid their finger down. It was very, very profound. I kid you not, about six months later, I was on the on the um, tube and I was working as, um, when I first graduated, I was, uh, I thought, well, what do I do? And I, I was doing, uh, well, so I was doing all these trainings at my day job, which was um, as a programmer and developer for NatWest and, and Royal Bank of Scotland. And I really hated it. But anyway, I was in there all, cr- you know, squashed up against people and somebody brushed next to me and all of a sudden I felt this like, wave of euphoria and like you know literally as though I've just been down and had a skimful at the pub quite amazing and it was a very powerful experience for me and so I think it, I mean it's in a lot of kids a lot of a lot of us will have um I like when I was little my mum used to sort of stroke my tummy in in a circular direction so it is conditioned in there to some degree that whether it's just in my imagination or whatever so there may be something like that for it but true. Right. yeah I, I think you're right there is that element of the comforting hug as a kid everything yes. okay and also when you get hugged there is proof that the body's more likely to release oxytocin yes. you got it the field you got it absolutely and and when and it's very interesting because it was very obvious to me now with clear eyes 20 years later seeing, say, Paul McKenna do his demonstrations that the famous person authority principle, you know, he has that in his favor. So people are a little bit starstruck. They are expecting, they have heightened expectation already. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, there are pros and cons to that. I think it's use can be useful for getting people started on their journey. But past a certain point, um, if we do have time is to look at some of the, the, the traps the hypnotists fall into, yeah. guru worship is is a real thing that holds people back because I, because I want somebody to, if we as a coach or a hypnotist, whatever you want to call yourself, is helping somebody to make changes in their life, if you do what the traditional therapy model is, which is you're one up on the person that you're with, you're the, you're the psychoanalytical or the Freudian expert, you know, dispassionate, sitting back there, looking down on the other person as being a bit weak and stuck in there, all their id and their, all this massive stuff going on. That doesn't really empower that person. So mm. if you have a more co-equal thing where you're the kind of coach, you know that they have their skills in their life, they're the experts in their own life, but you're kind of helping clear the way for them to, to make the journey forward, then that's much more um, much more empowering. And I really want people to embody that attitude that they can 
that they can have these skills and be brilliant for themselves because otherwise they've just got to be lower than anyone else and have the other person on the pedestal and i know you feel very strongly about that as well that that's not an empowering well kind i'm midway I, I i agree with you largely and then i disagree a little bit but i think nice. the middle ground might be the i think the best example for listeners i can think of is i never claim to stop anyone smoking yes i never claim to yes stop anyone drinking alcohol i never claim to stop anyone taking cocaine mm -hmm. um it says on my website that i can help them change their life in this manner but then when i actually speak to them when they're in the yes. session i tell them right at the start bear in mind they've already paid money up front they've already bought yes. it financially yes. and psychologically i say to them yes. Look, john if they're called john john i'm going to be honest with you straight up front i have never stopped anyone smoking in my entire life Beautiful. That's a smoke, and they obviously look at you like, <laughs> what the hell are you on about? Go, no, seriously, it's true. I've never stopped anyone smoking. Because the simple fact is, you went outside before when I told you to have your last ever cigarette. Uh, and, and you did. You went knowing it's your last ever cigarette. You bought that cigarette out yourself. Mm. I didn't help you put that cigarette out. You put it out yourself. Mm. You've thrown your rest of your cigarettes in that bin. Nice. You've thrown your lighter in that bin. You've done all that. I haven't. Mm. So you've stopped smoking. Mm. And and you've done it, you've done it yourself in the past. Yes. It's just that maybe a couple of days later you yes. got craving and you yes. another one. So you was an on smoke for two days. So all I'm gonna help you do today is I'm going to help you stretch that window from where you were able to take it yourself in the past. Yes. So that you don't have the cravings, or if you do, you can easily switch them Perfect. off like that Perfect. and stretch it so it becomes a week, a month, a year. It becomes the rest of your life as you want it to be right now. Lovely. Um, so all I'm doing is helping you remain the confident, happy non-smoker that you've now become. Perfect. Obviously, contextually whatever it is they're there for yes well i love that and i i really um i really love your um that strong frame that you've set there with all those presuppositions and beautiful suggestions in there because absolutely we're saying to them well i've had some good teachers along the way well <laughs> well you've done a great i mean that's that's beautiful and i really love that that all of that in there because there's a presupposition there's an implication that they can do it and when i say about guru worship what i mean is this if we're working with people we need to we need to have enough authority that they believe in us so that we can help them believe in themselves mm -hmm. as a student of hypnosis as a hypnotist yourself you need to find some ways to build up belief um, over time so the way i would put it the middle ground um so to speak is always be improving your skills always be drilling pushing yourself learning new things be open be willing to to be challenged and challenge yourself and trust as you develop those skills all the stuff that you've learned trust your instincts trust everything that you've learned trust yourself because if you're going to be the person who's helping somebody else to trust that they can do it you've got about you've got to have enough belief inside yourself and i think you are a great role model for that alex you know you you have that belief even when 20, 30 years ago, very few people were were um, confident to put their head above the parapet and talk about the placebo effect and its importance. You were able to do that, and I think that's a really cool thing because it's a really important it's a really important stage that people have inside their minds. By all means, uh, respect, admire, model other people who are 
producing good stuff, but you gotta have that belief inside yourself. You gotta have that rock solid confidence uh, with hypnosis that you can make a change because otherwise unconsciously, we talked about like the, the tonalities and body language, unconsciously when you're working with somebody, all you're gonna be doing is installing uncertainty in them. Not that you want to, but you're doing it by mistake. And so you've got to have that certainty inside yourself. It doesn't have to be a shouting rah-rah kind of stuff, but it needs to be at least a quiet sense of certainty that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Which, you know, because you said you just mentioned where people kind of go, I think that does segue nicely into the key word. Oh, no, 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 we'll come back to that. I've got the word traps down, because you said we'll come to that at some point. But yes. six-step refine. Yes, Roughly, what, what are the six steps for people who might not know? Obviously, they can go and seek out the books or sure, sure. And stuff, but roughly, for listeners, do you want to just yeah. run through what they are? Yeah, Sure. So, um, so basically, um, uh, you're, you're kind of having a chat with them. You'll then switch to saying that you're going to speak to uh, their unconscious. You'll ask the unconscious mind, whatever. You may not use that word. You may use some symbol. You may use something else. You may just sort of just talk about the emotion the feeling you'll suggest that it has a higher intention you'll ask what that higher intention is you'll ask the unconscious mind if it would be willing to find at least three four five ways to satisfy that higher positive intention but without having to do the old behavior so you don't need to get rid of the old behavior but you can it's like broadening the range of options it's like you know so okay so the intention behind smoking is to relax and let go. And when you relax and let go, you feel peace inside and you can breathe. I'd like your unconscious mind to search all your history, all your experiences, all the good times in your life, all the times when you've been the best version of yourself, and find at least five or six ways in which you can achieve that higher positive intention but without having to resort to that old behavior. Now, is your unconscious mind, if this is the yes signal, is your unconscious mind happy to do that? Is your unconscious mind happy to take full responsibility for implementing that and testing that over the coming days and weeks to make sure this is just right for you, your family, your friends, your life, that it works for you? And is there anything else your unconscious mind needs to be able to do this now effectively and look after you and make sure this is right for you. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So, and and then we'll come back and some other suggestions suggestions um, uh, uh, around that. Now, Grinder does also at a certain point suggest that you ask for conscious insight about that. So you can do it a couple of ways. I've done it both. There's pros and cons to both. People may be very aware of what that higher intention is, or you can go through the whole process and just suggest that there is a higher intention, let the uh, finger move it, um, go through that process, and once you get the ratification with the ideomotor signals um, that, uh, that the unconscious mind, so to speak, is, is on board, you can just kind of do that all unconsciously. Generally, it's probably useful for you, um, at least when you're starting off, to get some sense that the person has an experience of what the purpose of that is so they can articulate it it'll probably help them to have some buy-in and yeah. it's exactly the same process you know i mentioned earlier that grinder is a big fan of this and, and so am i bandler will probably be more on the the um, parts integration it's exactly the same 
It's just that you're talking about, you know, you're saying on the one hand, I want to stop smoking. But on the other hand, I quite like it. With that, all you're doing is you're doing exactly the same model. Well, okay, the part of you that wants to stop, what will that do for you? Well, I'll feel relief. When I have relief, what will I do? Oh, I'll feel calm inside. Okay, great. And over here, it's like, um, uh, you know, I'm enjoying this habit. Well, when you enjoy that habit, what does it give you? Oh, it gives me relief or whatever, you know, it gives me. And then when you have relief, you have what? Or oh, well, you have calm. Now, can you see, and then you ask them, can you see consciously that what this one wants and what this one wants are exactly the same thing? Can you understand that consciously? Does that make perfect sense to you? Yes. Okay. And as your hands start to move together, those two parts start to integrate back into a new super part for you that can give you all the confidence you need, all the calm you need, all the relaxation, and as you bring that inside your body, etc., etc. And that's a really nice way to to um, to bring things together where people have made a bit of a change, but there's still there's kind of some unconscious values conflict. It's a very, very reliable um, process. There's lots of opportunity there to give them positive suggestions. And of course, we know their hands are going to move together. Why? Because when they're there, if they don't immediately start moving, we're going to gently nudge them on the outside and model that for them. All right. And combine it with watching them and, their, and observing them. All right. I mean, I have to say it's useful to do that only because I kind of want to move that process along. It will move eventually. Some people, it may take half an hour. All right. Generally, it will happen sort of quite quickly. But you can, if you guide that process and gently. If you're going to put the hands out in front of them, and I'm trying to do this for the people or who I might get to see, uh, so I'm going to stand up because I'm trying to look at the little top corner so I know what I'm going to look like on that yes. on the, of the video. So if you get the people to put the hands out straight in front of them, yes, it's going to take quite, they could resist if they wanted to. It's going to take yes. a while. Yes. If, however, you get them to put the hands out. You set out in front of them, but you take hold of their wrist and position them. Yes. So that they're slightly more. Mm -hmm. You see, they're not out in front like that. The more yes. angled. Yes. yes. Perceptively, they are still out in front of them as yes. they look at them. But you positioned them so that they're not out in front of them. They're more. Now the difference is in this position. You can hold your hands in that position a hell of a lot longer. Mm. Then you can when nice. right angle because at this angle, yep. tendons on yep. the arm tire out more and more nice. rapidly. And nice. as they do, either the hands are naturally going to move downwards because they get a sense of relief. Nice. In cases they move downwards, it gives naturally the hands will move inwards as well. Beautiful. Or they'll stay roughly where they are and move their hands or start to move inwards. Because that also gives that feeling of relief here. And as yes. they feel that sense of relief, yes. like, well, that's nice. They'll carry on doing it because they yes. become aware it feels better. Yes. Consciously distracts them. And next thing they know, the hands are coming together, which must be in their minds because you suggested it had happened. Nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, 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 I think if you if you have it sort of slightly elevated, elevated in front, you know, you can absolutely it's going it, to it'll, it'll make the diff, it'll make a make a nice difference. And I think you want to um, you'll find that after a while you'll kind of move in that direction as well. You know, when the hands are up here for a little while and they're holding it up, you know, and, and as you're dealing with these parts, the hands will start to, you know, and that arms will start to get heavy naturally. And you can use all of that. Exactly as you say, tailor your suggestions. You know, I noticed that you're on, you know, uh, it's just wonderful. You know, I can see your fingers are twitching. 
means your unconscious is really kind of like something's happening inside, isn't it? Something's getting ready to happen. And I think you can sense that. You can start to imply this stuff. This is where the, all those kind of the, the idea of pacing and leading become really, really powerful. They're not just kind of like words that we're just throwing mm -hmm. out there. There's a real purpose to that, which is observe what's happening. And whatever's happening is meant to happen, which means that it's uh, uh, beneficial for them. It's, involved, it's, it's going to be beneficial for the, the person there. And it's a wonderful way to, to, to do that. So that's, that's kind of the, 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 the six-step reframe. And as you say, it's, it's been around a long time. Um, and it's more that's about... the classical, the classical way, as I say. Yes. People look yes. at Frogs into Princes, Richard Bandler, John Grinder, yes. Hypnosis Comprehensive Guide by Tad James. Uh, I'll cut out the middleman. Forget the rogue hypnotist for now. Just sod it. Just type in Jonathan Royal into Amazon. <laughs> Trust it. The books in my name are a lot actually cheaper. Are cheaper to buy because they're bigger. They're cheaper than the uh, other brand, as it were. Um, but these days, it's been kind of speeded up a bit. I mean, I'll give you an example. Mm. Um, Pradeep Agarwal from India, who I interviewed on Hypnosis Week a few weeks mm. ago, we talked about parts, uh, parts and um, six-step reframe. Yes. Martin Rothery, obviously, who does rapid pain elimination therapy, we discussed it. Yep. It also came up in conversation with Roy Hunter, because yep. um, obviously he does parts and yes. uh, what is effectively six-step reframe. Now, there's loads of different ways of doing it, but, I mean, one simple, it can be a simple, what are your thoughts on this? Because the... There is an argument that if you oversimplify things, you're not necessarily dealing with the root cause, whereas with parts, you are arguably doing. But it can be, you know, if you sit there, okay, I'm talking directly to your unconscious mind now. Uh, I'd just like you to give me a sign or a signal that from here on in signifies yes when you know for certain, with pure certainty within every fibre of your body, yes. So it might be a head movement finger we'll say it's a finger for the sake of it so you know which is yes yes and now give us one for no obviously i'd use better terminology than this but you've set up your yes and no yes and Got then it. it's as simple as saying okay so you, you came here today i'm talking directly to your unconscious mind uh to john's unconscious mind so hello john's unconscious mind uh john's conscious mind told me earlier today that he wants to remain a confident happy healthy relaxed non-smoker mm -hmm. so what i'd like you to do uh would would it be possible for you to today to help john as i know is your aim in life at all times to find ways resources and reactions, thoughts and feelings, whatever triggers he needs and reactions he needs in any and all situations to no longer need, want, crave or desire cigarettes or tobacco as he once did in the past, but rather to be able to continue moving forward, confident, happy, healthy non-smoker that he's now become. Would that be appropriate? Uh, could, could you help us in that way today? And hopefully you get a yes. If you get a no, then obviously you've got to drill down as to why. Yes. Uh, Got it. Mediate, negotiate till you get a yes. But once you've got the yes, in that case, I'd like you to take a few moments, could a few seconds for you, unconscious mind is like many minutes or hours in uh, the conscious world. So just take a few moments to delete, erase, and remove positively and permanently any thoughts, feelings, emotions, triggers of any kind that may have once in the past held John back from continuing with his newfound. 
uh, abilities of the confident, happy, healthy, relaxed non-smoker. And when you've been able to positively and permanently and safely delete, remove and erase all of those thoughts, feelings, mm -hmm. emotions and triggers from the past, just give us that signal for yes. And then effectively, you know, if you yes. want to be totally safe, arguably at that point, you can go on now. Just to be sure, unconscious mind, could you ensure that if there's any need for any other abilities, thoughts or resources mm -hmm. for John to draw upon in the future so that he can confidently and happily say, no, thank you. I'm a non-smoker and feel calm, relaxed and confident and that mm -hmm. sense of pride inside. Can you just allow him access to all those things as and when he needs them as an automatic reflex action? Give us a yes. And then effectively nice. reorientate them, whether you've used a formal trance or uh, just close your eyes. Yes. Um, yes. And arguably, that's kind of cut out a bit of the parts work. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can do it. Like I say earlier, I mean, it was it was interesting. Now that you know, you can you can literally do it in a couple of senses, even with a even with the the the, the parts integration. You know, okay. I'm sensing that a part of you is has some doubts about this, and I think a part of you wants to be really certain. Is, did, did I catch that right? Yes. Okay. Now I want you to focus on here, just above your your head. And as you do, those can come together. As they come together, you have certainty inside. You have certainty that you've overcome that doubt. You don't doubt that, do you, with that certainty inside? You can feel that inside now, can you not? That's great. So how are you doing? How are you doing, Bob? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty good. Is there anything else? You know what? I've got this wedding coming up and I've got to do a speech. That's right. How do you feel about it? I feel a bit nervous. That's great. So I usually got that nervous there in the hand, but then this rock solid, you know, that calmness, that certainty, you can do this here. And as you focus up here and you see this too, as they bring them together, that's right. You're feeling that confidence inside. You're feeling that confidence inside now. How are you feeling, Bob? God, it's great. You know what? The only thing is, I've just, um, I really want to have a girlfriend. And I just, you know, I just feel this little bit of, um, just feel this little bit of uh, sadness that I don't have anyone. That's right, Bob. And that sadness in that hand, but that all that happiness for the rest of your life is here. And Bob, as you focus on here, that comes together now, and you feel that happiness growing inside. That happiness is there for you. It's not that there's no sadness ever in your life. It's just that there's an overwhelming sense of happiness and optimism growing inside you, inside that confidence, beyond any of that old feeling you used to have before. So how are you doing now, Bob? God, I just feel for I feel phenomenal. How, how do you feel about going out and, and talking to girls now? Well, I feel great. How do you feel about the wedding? Awesome. And what have we done? We've done three uh, parts integrations, and we've done them like you know in like you know twenty seconds each. Mm. With and we've moved things on. How are we able to do that? We did it with certainty. We were able to have a fairly good mind read, checking in with the with the uh, the client what they needed, and we're able to integrate that. So you're absolutely right. And there's real beauty to working like this. I think it's nice to start off, learn the formal way, just so you have that experience. Yeah. But then over time, you'll see what can I strip away? What needs to be there for this to succeed? And I can tell you, Mike, I'm getting to the place now where I just feel that the real thing that needs to be there is the hypnotic intent and real certainty in the, the, the person who's helping the other person and absolute conviction that the other person can do it. And the stronger that gets, the, the, the more you can use the, um, the tools of your choice, if you will, to trigger that certainty in the other person. Does that, does that make some kind of sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, and especially, you know, there's more and more courses popping up with fancy names. Oh, this new modality, this new modality. Sure. Sure. And my research shows me that, you know, I'm sorry, but there is nothing new. 
There's new names. Mm-hmm. There's new orders to use techniques in. Mm-hmm. But the underlying techniques or reasons why the things work predate mesmerism. I mean, mm-hmm. parts therapy, mm-hmm. people go on, you know, they might mention drugs and yeah, yeah. obviously yeah, yeah. predates that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. if you actually look at other fields as well, mm-hmm. uh, the Native American Indians' uh, belief system of shamanism, mm-hmm. each member of the group played their own part. Yes. You had the Hayoka, who was like the court jester. Mm-hmm. You had the medicine man. You had... And they all had different parts, but symbolically they recognised that all of them had an element of that within them. They had an element of all those parts within them. Yes. But for the purposes of their rituals, one person would be designated as the medicine man, one as the hayoka, one as the whatever. And the rituals were structured such that when you look at them, arguably they're doing a form of parts therapy. Yes. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. And, and this stuff goes way back to, if you, even if you look at the roots of, say, you mentioned the shamans, if you look back to the, some of the Huna traditions in, um, in Hawaii, a lot of the stuff from timeline, uh, whatever we want to call that, that is, goes by many names and timeline therapy, were modelled from that. So you're right, the, the shaman's rattle, the shaman's trick is, is absolutely something that, that, that we are, you know, the witch doctor, that is the, the, the kind of voodoo, that is really what we're doing. Um, it's just that we're making it, we're, we're contextualizing it um, in a socially appropriate way, you know, uh, in modern society. And we have a much clearer idea now. You know, <clears throat> you know, for hundreds of years, there was a big debate about state and non-state theory and you sort of, you know, Mesmer and Esdale Sharko on one side and Braid and Bernheim and Kuei on the other and all this kind of, what's the debates going on? And, um, you know, if you look at, I'm I'm pretty sure now, given the reading between the lines of like uh, brain scans and neuroscience, that you're not going to find a particular um, one, shall we say, state. Although when you use shock and surprise, um, uh, change track, and you can do that more overtly or more covertly, the amygdala gets triggered. Certain parts of the brain will like will light up, and we know at that point that people are very open to suggestion. You know, when you have confusion, shock, uh, surprise in life, you know, it's why um, they've, they've had these really weird phenomena that an airplane crashes um, into the water. Everyone's alive, but everyone's looking around, waiting for everyone else to make the first move. And they don't do that because no one does that. They all end up perishing. Yeah, Absolutely. Flight and freeze. Freeze, exactly. Forget the freeze often. Absolutely. And, and it's really important that... that that we that we uh, that we understand this. So there are these things that are happening, and you're exactly right. The the shaman's trick, the shaman's trick from all those ages ago, are things that we are using now, and we can learn a lot from them. And um, and I think that's really exciting because it, it's. I always think, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a, a stage hypnotist, but really, when you're working with somebody, you are putting on a performance of sorts. Yeah. They need to they need to know that you're delivering and whether it's coaching or hypnosis, whatever you want to call it, they're the same processes. It's just you're going to call them something different. So, for instance, in Israel, unless you are a licensed psychologist, you can't call it hypnosis. Mm-hmm. You can. There's still a bit of a debate about whether you can even call it creative visualization. Um, so sometimes the licensed psychologists call it creative visualization and everyone else just has to give it a different name. All right. There are some countries, I think Sweden, definitely um, Austria. I think there are there are, there are certain countries where, you know, you, you, you will need to be a licensed medical professional to be able to call it, you know, technically hypnosis. 
And there are definitely organizations like the American Psychological Association that would really like to have full control over hypnosis so they can dictate, you know, who's the expert, who isn't, what hypnosis is. And as you can imagine, you know, you know, there's quite a strong feeling, I think, in the hypnosis community that that would not be a very healthy thing because it does, you know, right. <laughs> lots of ways. This will be controversial. Um, for a long time, I was of the belief that uh, the British mainstream medical uh, mm. people wanted hypnosis to be really truly regulated so that it was refined to just certain people and i thought the same in many other places in the world but you know what mm. i think the people on the front line in those areas a lot of them do want that yep. but the actual powers that be that run it all i don't think could care less and the reason i say that is i think they just want people to argue among themselves it's never going to happen. It's mm. never going to properly get regulated because it's impossible to regulate anyway because you could just call it a different name. Yes. Okay? So when you bear that in mind, it's something that's impossible to stop happening. It'll just be yes. that they couldn't use a certain name. You got it. So why do they bother wasting the time letting these arguments go on? Because then people are arguing among themselves. Mm. And we've got to remember who runs are mm -hmm. the British mainstream mm -hmm. medicine ultimately mm -hmm. the government in england sure in america it's the same you know it's governments mm -hmm. and governments dictate what people get taught in their sure. conventional medical training sure. at university or what you get taught at schools it's indoctrination it's a brainwashing process and the truth is they don't they want everyone to argue among themselves and they want everyone's only perception of hypnosis to be Cluck like a chicken, bark like a dog, stage hypnotist, mm. or for therapy, they're arguing amongst themselves. Mm. But that's good because it gives the public something else to look at. They're arguing amongst themselves, a sense of confusion. Who do I go to? Yes. So that all this diverts from the fact that every day of our waking life, politicians mm. are trained in hypnotic techniques, language. Mm. Salespeople are. Yes. Uh, the education system is a brainwashing process. All of these things mm -hmm. go up the tree and you're going back to central governments. Mm -hmm. And the central governments all have a link to, uh, certainly America does through the CIA and England does through the British Psychological Society, which is also linked in with the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations, mm -hmm. which used to be known as the Tavistock hospital years ago at the time that it was involved with the mm. mk ultra mind control mm. um mm. studies that were happening in england as well as america sure, sure. the truth is that they discovered and this is interesting because you mentioned the amygdala amygdala and that fear and shock and disorientation makes it they discovered the most effective way to manipulate and control people is to put them into a sense of disorientation confusion yes and fear trauma-based mind control mm. and that's why they'd soon everyone thought it was stage hypnosis and therapy that mm. as it's perceived now mm. because then no one's looking at the bigger picture yes of the fact yes. they're getting manipulated from every area yes. of life yes it's happening right now for example through the media and stuff with sure. the coronavirus of course of course the biggest killer of coronavirus is going to be the fear instilled into people by the media because that Reduces sure. people's immune system. 
I, I, I got it. I mean, absolutely. I, I said, I think that the biggest challenge, you, you hit the nail on the head there in so many really interesting areas. But I think with the coronavirus, it is the fear that people are having and the, the mindset is going to be the most challenging thing. I've heard some shocking stories already about people doing ridiculous things, making really poor choices because they just don't, don't think they can cope. And and that fear is, you know, the great thing about us is, as, as, as hypnotists, what we want to call ourselves is a couple of things. One, if we hold ourselves to a higher standard than anyone else can reasonably expect, we can do some really amazing stuff because what we're doing is the flip side of that. We know that the cultural hypnosis in the newspapers in the UK, I mean, it's all around the world, but they're just so so polarized in terms of the messages that they want that they that, that, that they want you know to, to get through it doesn't matter whether you're a charity or a you know whatever it is if you've got um a good sort of political lobby if you've got your own pr department you can get stories in the paper that's and they're so lazy journalists now they will pretty much print anything and every is this is very very well known throughout the industry and then it felt like you say it filters all the way it filters all the way around so for us i kind of it's why I kind of feel quite honoured to be sort of part of this this profession. You know, I feel really proud. You know, I mean, I've worked with um, coaches and a lot of people know me as a coach, but I'm proud to be a hypnotist because I know that people are much more capable of what of things than they think they are. It's just that they were never given a real chance to be able to see the world in a in a more accurate way because the filters in their mind from a very early age, from suggestions from school, oftentimes from well-meaning people from their society tend as a general rule of thumb to limit them into certain sort of herd mindsets. There's exceptions to all of that, which is why having some con developing conscious awareness is a, of your thoughts and feelings and, and having a slightly more mindful way, not in a kind of sitting around just have to meditate and have incense, with, but just generally developing some self-awareness is just vital because when you can do that and i think that's what i'm i think that's part of the role that we have is light bulbs go on for people if we do this right and they realize oh wow i can do this so i can see it differently or you know what i can actually achieve something i want or you know i'm not a bad person because just because somebody else said or i don't have to you know just because everybody else loves football doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me if i don't go down that route and people get really um you're right there's a lot of fear and at the moment there's there's more fear than i can imagine i can remember in, in living memory you know and a lot of people need that reassurance and as hypnotists we've got a wonderful opportunity now to step up offer support to people help them drain some of that support away. we don't have to like say you know we can't promise what the future is going to be we can't promise how long things are going to be but we can teach people easily you know even a basic simple introduction you know a, an online group thing that you do they call it meditation if you want to cover yourself it doesn't matter but we have the ability to help people move outside of that not every person is going to want to see the the full level of the um you know uh sort of media involvement and so forth you know and, and the way things are the way things are going in those systems for some people it's just you know that, that's just they're not going to go down that route but you can at least help them to feel a bit better about themselves so they don't feel stuck in that because you're right there's the dark side of hypnosis there's the there's the positive side and the reality is whatever you want to call it every politician has learned to you know these days is trained in these body language techniques and unconscious influence and using their tonality their body language and everything else you know they're trained in this um you know uh, um the top politicians are trained you know, media clergy, you know, we know um, 
pastors in America, the people who have, who get you to send all that money. I mean, they are super trained in that and they're mm -hmm. super trained in marketing. You know, I was reading, a, I was watching a, a just some, reading about some fascinating, I mean, there's some guys in America, I mean, they they literally send these letters out. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy who was, who was talking about it, which show was, but anyway, they send these letters out and people are in essence paying to get the grace of God. And what yeah. they do is they follow up with these lists of letters over Benny, a period of time. Well, I don't know if Benny Hinn does that. He does. He's one of them. Yeah, he's one of the guys. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was quite. Um, it's quite amazing. But once people have a belief, you can you can you can build on that. And then there's, as we say, there's the dark side, and then there's the side where you really want to help people out. And actually, what, one of the reasons I love working with hypnotists and coaches now is I know they've got the, as long as people have got the right attitude. They want to help people in the right place. They're willing to really work hard for their clients. Then I help them develop that attitude, you know, build the confidence inside, develop their skills, their competence, their confidence, get that all lined up, their mindset, their attitude, so that they can do that. Because the world needs people to can genuinely help other people to break free from those limitations inside. Um, not everyone, you know, there's the saying that you can't take a horse to water. Not everyone's going to want that. But those people who are there want to make that change. They're wearing a unique unique position to do that um, and you're right and other people may not realize that that's that this is already being used um, throughout the world and it's just that we um, we're in a position to do that benevolently and what's what I find really reassuring now is I've got friends in the US who are doctors um, uh, nurses teachers people who are using hypnosis in their day-to-day -day life to really help people they they understand if they're a doctor working in emergency care that they're in a unique position when somebody comes in to start giving them suggestions. Look, look up here, you're going to be okay, you're going to be fine, don't worry, we're going to take care of this, all right? Just focus on your breathing, we've got this in hand, you're going to be okay, you're fine, you're in the right place. They know that they're in a unique position as the authority figure to do that. They know that the thing not to do is to go, just to look at somebody who comes in and go, you know what, it's not looking so good here, I'm going to see what I can do, all right? That's not, that's not the way to no. go. So they understand that. And so it's very encouraging that there are good people in the world doing that. And then there are the other people who want to take advantage and you just have to have your chops about you. But for us, the good side, the, the light side of hypnosis is something very powerful. And um, we've got a lot to offer. I have three more major points noted here. That's including the reminders. So because I'm leading up to asking you about the most recent book, but we'll do that right at the end. Cool. So in order, because we mentioned uh, the shamans, we mentioned yes. uh, Native American Indian shamanism and all this, that, the other before, they used a lot of symbolism. Yeah. And images get used in advertising, in the media, in the news as well, even right now, the images... The same one thing, so they're consciously yeah. fixating yes. your attention through what they're saying, but there can be images flashing up on the screen or symbols that have got an unconscious meaning already that can be triggering off. What they're saying could be calm and relaxed, but they could put up a, 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 you know, a warning sign, danger, that's going to trigger off yes. negative yes. things. Symbolism can be used positively and negatively. You got one it. of the bullet points I've got here is that uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about your work with generative change and symbolism. So nice. A segue point now for that. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. So 
I kind of see this. So, so if you look at hypnosis and and kind of sort of things, and I'm going to give you, I'm not going to hit everything here, but just like the brief evolution. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you get you go right back, you know, you've got all the the, the shamanistic stuff and meditation traditions going back hundreds, thousands of years, with the kind of the state stuff with mesmer and stuff we mentioned, and the non-state with Braid, Bernheim, Kuei. You've got the evolution more into the academic side with Clark Hull, a socio-cognitive persp- you know, perspective, and you have Sabin and all these kind of people. You've got um, Elman with this kind of like pretend frame. You've got Erickson's work where it's sort of priming and metaphor. You've got um, NLP evolving. You've got the kind of understanding of the placebo effect and Kirsch, the neuroscience revolution. You've got things like, you know, street hypnosis. You've got more kind of like conversational techniques. But symbolism is something that I think is is, is undergoing a bit of a renaissance now. And I'll tell you why. I mean, that actually exactly you're right. If you go way back, those images, symbols, metaphors, stories have been used for centuries. You know, it was those. It's it's how we um, especially in religion. Especially in religion. Especially in religion. Um, and Jacob, the other day, we, we went out running together. So my son is nine. We're out running, and he started telling me about Romulus and Remus and the the story of how Romus. And he'd read it in the book, and it was a very interesting. The stories there. It's like one of those classic sort of almost like a classic fairy tale. It's very dark. But those classic fairy tales with their darkness teach us certain things about human nature, to be careful, to learn that that life's going to have these obstacles, these challenges, these blocks, but we can get over them. And so that symbolism is a very, very rich pedigree. And you're exactly right. It can be used um, uh, on the dark side, can be used for manipulation on the light side. It can be used to help other people. Now, what's beautiful about working with symbolism is that once you get used to it, you can really help people make some very, very fast changes, but without any conscious interference. I mean, they won't even know consciously. They get such imaginal absorption, you know, their, their mind gets so absorbed in it that they can start to move in in in, in that direction. So I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But when we say generative change as opposed to remedial change, what all that means is, now, when I work with smokers, I kind of, uh, for instance, um, you know, if, if people want to stop smoking, most of the people I'm working with are sort of hypnotists and coaches, but the clients who come to me, whether it's, you know, typically now be generalized anxiety, um, uh, fear of flying, you know, public speaking, but, you know, smokers are more than happy to, to help out. We can do a session to focus on the remedial side, which means we could help them to stop. We've got hundreds of ways between us. We, we could do that, literally hundreds. You know, we can develop hundreds more. You know, you can make them think of something revolting, something they hate, you know, burnt hair, you know, the smell of something revolting and think about cigarettes. You can break the trigger like that. So that's one way. You've got the remedial side, which you can do. You can start to make it a little bit more generative with the six-step reframe, i.e. they have new behaviours, new ideas, new thoughts. Or you can go the whole hog and when they, because this is what I noticed over the last 20 years working, for instance, with smokers is it's not just about stopping smoking. It becomes a very powerful symbol. Where's that word again? It becomes a very powerful symbol for confidence, being free of something, being able to do something that they didn't think they can do. Well, now they've got this new part inside themselves. What if you took that part and evolved it into something even bigger and they were able to apply it to all the other areas of their lives their future dreams and then what if you were able to evolve that further and take that back to all the times in the past when they would have liked to have had that so it becomes a real identity level change 
And what if you were to help them to keep evolving that so that it got richer and richer at a very deep level? So that's what I mean by kind of the generative stuff. So they can, you can have the, kind of the core level change, you can have like a bit of a change where they can take it and start to evolve it forwards. And it's a really nice way of thinking about things. Now, of course, not everyone's going to want, you know, it's kind of like traveling first class. Not everyone's going to want to do that on the plane. I mean, I would love to. I've been, I've, I've been lucky in my life twice because my dad saved up points when I was a kid. I got to travel first class on Lufthansa. I got to travel first class on Swiss Air. In fact, actually, one time I was able to, a couple of years ago, to travel um, business class, and it's amazing. So some people want that, okay, because the challenge is you can help people to stop smoking, but when really the shit hits the fan, you know, the a bereavement, um, a relationship breakdown, you know, a job loss, you know, um, massive stress their unconscious mind is going to search through for something an anchor point something inside them that is rock solid that they can rely on and and occasionally not not often but occasionally people will kind of um, revert back to some of their old behaviors that's why sometimes these things it seems fine for several years but then something really um, left field tough happens to that person and they go there so the generative side is about is is working with people over a longer period of time it's kind of like you're looking after your clients you are doing you're evolving new programs for them but you're helping keeping on evolving those resources for them so that they go from confidence to strength to um taking that and applying it to other areas of their life it's uh, should we say an optional kind of thing it's not the remedial side is really the core you that's what we want to make the changes but some people still want to go and take that, and it depends on how much as a person you want to evolve. Does does that sort of does that distinction make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, what does jump into my mind is because we were saying about symbolism. Yes. Symbolism. I, don't know, I mean, it's like logos, a company logo. Yes. 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 Uh, to some, they see it, and it can mean trust because they value that brand yes. to others they might see it and to them it triggers off distrust because they had a bad experience yes. with that brand yes. for example but it's generally accepted generally accepted associations or anchored conditioned thoughts feelings or emotions to a an image it's yes pretty much symbolism as i would yes learn yes which is not too dissimilar from which definitely is uh, becoming kind of more used again now especially with the work of um people like uh andrew austin mm -hmm. his metaphors and movement and, and stuff mm -hmm. is metaphor yes because when you say you know for example we imagine it's almost as if I'm, I'm trying to think of a metaphor it's almost as low um it's the straw that brought the camels back you got it you got it right People generally accept that saying, that metaphor of meaning, it's that final little tiny thing after loads of tiny things mm -hmm. that's come to breaking point. Yes. But visually, that could be, I don't know, like a, 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 an image of, if you if you had a, a photograph of somebody there who's clearly crying and they're looking like pulling their hair out or crazy, yes. like, Yes. And ask people what did it mean to them, the visual image. Yes. Probably say, well, that's someone who's been pushed too far. Yes, yes. It, it's 
similar outcome, different way of getting there? Definitely. So I'll, I'll lead into that because I think you're really, you, you're headed absolutely in the right direction there. The um, You've got, should we say, the, the we've got kind of the, the metaphors maybe that are sort of um, dead metaphors that people have said so often that they don't even realise that they are metaphors. You know, like, oh, we're at a crossroads. You know, it's a classic example. Well, the academic research over the last um, decade, actually a bit more, has been really, has, has even in that, they've realised that we have something called embodied cognition. We're only, our, our understanding of ourselves and what we're capable of is always in relation to the environment. And primarily, we understand our environment in terms of metaphor. So, for example, when we're little, um, the adults are... Um, Adults are taller, so, and they know more. So therefore, yeah. up is is higher. Up is better. So you go up the ladder in life. You know, mm. you look up to someone. All right. So all these metaphors uh, develop in life out of um, our real, genuine experience of the environment, and they're embodied. I.e., they are they describe our relationship um, physically, our orientation to the environment that we're in. And yet people are largely unconscious of this, which is why the space around them, and you're exactly right, those metaphors are, are absolutely, um, absolutely so powerful. And the trick is to realize that you and I can be looking at the same thing and we'll have very different associations of it. And um, one of the challenges, I mean, I'll give you a classic example. This is from uh, Jerry Kine, you know, God bless him, you know, years ago, he used to talk about... Um, um, that he was doing a visualization one day and this person went into an ab reaction and he was it was totally surprising because he was saying well you're on a beach you're walking along and the sun's coming down well why did that person have an ab reaction well it turned out that for that person on their wedding day they're on a beach there's a bloody tsunami freak thing with the waves straight out to sea and that person's locked it inside themselves you know too traumatic you know the wedding day never saw their partner again you know it's a it's, it's not a great story but the thing is it's a really important story for us as hypnotists to realize that our symbols and uh, our associations the same as others yeah yes they're not the so same i well. always use that phrase it's almost as if because then if you say it's almost yes. as if you're on a beach yes in a way that feels right for you got it well almost as if implies they can think of something entirely yes. different yes because and that's compounded by the in a way that feels right for you. So you're more likely yeah. to avoid the ab reactions then. Definitely, definitely. Well, look, you're exactly right. And shall we show you like? Shall we? Shall I show you a quick uh, just a yes, just, just just yeah. just a quick example of a way yeah. to, that we that we can do this without um, without um, uh, sort of you know um, putting my fish in, in your dreams. So, Jonathan, what's something um, that you'd like more of in your life, or to feel more, or experience more? What's what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um. Oh, it depends how deep down we dig. I suppose if I had to give it a word, I would say freedom. Freedom, okay. And freedom. And that's freedom like what? Um, everything it encompasses. My, 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 my definition of freedom is to be able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, mm. where you want, whenever you want, without having to worry on any level whatsoever about money, um, schedule, all in, that's my kind of 
Beautiful. It's for freedom, and to to a degree, mm. I'm fortunate to have a lot of that in my life. But if I'm honestly saying, what would I want more of? It'd be more freedom mm. on a greater level, in all. Nice, nice. And when all that freedom on a greater level, and all of that, that could be a little bit like what? Um, like what? I'm going to go with this because I, I know I definitely shouldn't be overthinking it. And if I had a client, I'd be saying to them, don't overthink it. So the first thing that jumped into me, I'd be a bit like having a magic wand. Yes. Now, let me ask you this. And magic wand. Mm. And what kind of wand is a magic wand like that? Um, uh, yeah, well, one that works, so it's it's <laughs> powerful <laughs> and works and powerful. And when works and powerful and freedom, what could a wand like this want to have happen? <laughs> Very good. Anyone watching this, as long as we get the actual visuals, um, not acting, it's just uh, realisation that that's worked. Um, uh, uh, okay, what entered my head was the, word, um, the truth. And truth. The truth to come out, mm. which means I need to get justice, mm. finally. Mm. And truth, and justice, and freedom. And when all of that, when truth, and justice, and freedom, when all of that, then what happens? Oh. Then then everyone knows the truth of what I tried to make everyone aware of over 20 years ago now. Mm. Mm. And everyone knows. And when all of that and everyone knows what happens next i don't care what anyone thinks anymore then mm. because mm. if they choose to ignore the truth fine though mm. people people can do that but mm. then if they pause defamatory nonsense mm. well then it is 
totally clearly defamatory nonsense done vindictively or because they're unbalanced or whatever mm. opposed to that tiny little mm. Mm. potential mm. fly in the ointment at the minute that maybe just maybe yes they genuinely believe the defamatory nonsense mm. despite the fact that there's evidence galore out there that what they're believing isn't true mm. still turn around and go oh well if that's the case why have you got this criminal conviction Got it, got it. So when don't care what other people think and no more fly in ointment and everyone knows and truth and justice and freedom, when all of that, then what happens? Don't have anything to prove anymore. Mm. In a good way. Mm. Mm. And I was then to me, but could have said about Magic One before it becomes more powerful. Mm -hmm. mm. And one's more powerful. Mm. And when one is more powerful, like this, how do you feel inside now? Right now, mm. completely just, well, yeah, especially now that I've just done that with my shoulders. Mm. Um, chilled out, mm. relaxed. Mm. Um, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> chilled. And chilled. And whereabouts in your body do you feel chilled when chilled like this? I think honestly right now. Mm. Um... I'm not sure I could say any one place more than other. Mm. I think it's just a mm. sense of kind of calmness, chilledness, oneness. And calmness, yeah, nice. Good job. Calmness and chilledness, nice. And so we've just gone through a very little kind of part of that process just to uh, just to get a sense of the symbol and metaphor. Oh, and by the way, um, going through that... Um, what do you know now that you didn't know before, just having uh, having gone through that little process, Alex? Ooh, you're good. Um, I know that to some degree, and I'm only prepared to accept or say to some degree because... I genuinely still believe that it's the major mm. fly in the ointment, so to speak. Mm. Mm. That, but to some degree, at some point, I have probably in the past held myself back from doing certain things mm. 
as a sort of self-protection factor of what's the point because mm. to do that all that's going to happen is at some point down the line people are going to pull out the news of the world nonsense mm -hmm. anyone listening who doesn't know what that is just go to circus of the mind net i'll put a link below as well. mm -hmm. um without them having the full facts Yes. But twisted, because the thing is, in the past several years, I've got more evidence uh, in my favour um, to prove that things were never as that ridiculous, disgraced newspaper made them out to be. Mm. But I have had it in the past where certain things I've done, mm. and I've done them, and I've done them to a level of certain success. Mm. And, um, far exceeding that that maybe should have happened for the young age I was at the time. Mm. And then some bastard or bitch, excuse the language, has come along and mm. start posting around perceptively mm. true stuff. Because after all, if a newspaper prints it, it must be true. Mm -hmm. After all, if down the line you then got a criminal conviction, it must be true. Um... Now, if that was the case, you know, there wouldn't be gross miscarriages of justice where years afterwards people get the convictions overturned. If that was the case, Mazima Mood, the fake shape Murdoch journalist, mm -hmm, wouldn't have mm -hmm. failed for conspiracy mm -hmm. to pervert the course of justice. And mm -hmm. he's the thing that's held back my career. So I get perceived as quite successful, and I am, well, arguably, I am incredibly successful. But yes. Yes. It's only scraping the surface of what it could have been mm -hmm. if yes. the truth had been found 20 years ago, which is yes. the process of being because my appeal's in with the Court of Appeal. Nice. I now nice. have evidence that proves that the Royal Mint were never sent these counterfeit coins, despite the fact yes. the UPS saying they were, which means yes. there's no evidence. So it should never have gone to court in the first place. Great. And knowing all that now, mm. what difference does that make for you? Once the conviction's overturned, mm. and I say not a, I say once it is, because mm. there's numerous other routes I can go down. Um, mm. If for some bizarre reason this current renewed appeal didn't mm. get it overturned, um, I can appeal again when new evidence comes to light. And I know for a nice. fact there's new evidence going to be released nice. later in the year. In, I can't say too much about that for the contempt of court and it's other court cases going on. Um, but when it comes to the logical conclusion, it won't... It won't I think, the feeling I'm getting around, it won't bother me if people yes. rubbish nonsense yes. because, yeah. well, because there'll be undeniable proof there that it's rubbish and nonsense. Got it, got it. It's less um, likely to have a detrimental effect on mm. career progression. Yes. Other than with any Rupert Murdoch or media, obviously, but sure, that has sure. to be accepted after that. <laughs> he'll be getting sued massively. <laughs> got, it. got um, it and let me also I've just got one more question just just for this one what, what difference when when all of that what difference does that make for you 
The word that jumps into my head is choice. Choice. Nice. Because there's some things that I know right at this moment would just not be available to me as choices mm. on any level of possibility. Mm. There are certain places in the world that would not let you in with the criminal conviction. Sure. For example. But the moment that is overturned, I would have the choice to go to those places if I wanted to. I'm not saying I'd want to go, but I'd have the choice. Nice. Yeah, choice. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Good job. Good job. Well, thank you so much for um, going through and just yeah, wanting to being willing to explore a little, just a little sense of the the symbol and so forth. And you you know feel free to um, speak to it as you will. But the the cool thing here is that that's profound. I mean, for people at home, I don't want any acting. I'm, you, if I was thinking it was shite and doing that, I would have said something earlier. Um, there is a profoundness to how suddenly certain things jumped up through other things just being repeated back and yeah no it, it's profound nice nice and i really um and the thing is what's what's really nice about working having this as like a kind of a, a sort of a way to 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 work and you can fit it in your other stuff that you're doing is if i tried to give you a symbol or a metaphor there's no way it would be the right one for you but when that comes from you and it comes up and we know it's unconscious because you aren't expecting it and you're right, you can, as a hypnotist, you can encourage somebody with that, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, you know, that could be a bit like what? You have your wand and it starts to evolve and grow. Now you've got something powerful, like, you know, it's your own internal power symbol and it knows how to evolve. If we map that back, I don't want to map it necessarily exactly back, but if you think about the six-step reframe, the six-step reframe, we say, you've got this feeling inside. Well, as hypnotists, we're working either with feelings or symbols, and we're saying, this is, that's right. And by I've, the way, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. Realized, I've just had a sense of realisation that, because I didn't know exactly what you were going to do. Mm. But now that I'm just kind of running, running yes. through my head, we mentioned earlier on about the Native American Indians yes. and shamanism. And one of the rituals they have, people can search this on Google, is to find your own power animal. Nice. You got it. And that meditation, you're not told what animal you're going to be, but you, you beforehand, consciously, you see visual representations of all the godlike animals, the bear and the... They're all of them. You've got like plastic ones in this day and age. So you see them. So there's, there's a suggestion there, I suppose. But then you go through this arguably content free meditation, ritual, trance, call it what you will. And you come out at the end and you suddenly realize that for whatever reason, confronted by a certain thing, when you finally get to this stream, or what it depends which version of it you've gone through, you end up looking down and you see a reflection of what animal you are, and mm. this is to give you your power animal symbol. Mm. 
Yes. Hell of a lot of similarities. I've just realised it's bizarre that we were talking about that before. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and you're exactly right. This is a way to bring this kind of, that kind of experience in, in you know, and help people to find their own, um, their own certainty, their own inner guidance, and kind of bypass the limitations of, you know, their critical faculty, you know, their mind, you know, their thinking. What's nice about working this way is that you can help people continue to evolve that um, way past what they even ever believed could have been possible beyond any possible even if they read all the books and have set exciting goals they're still limited by their conscious mind and you know even when you're working even when you're working with a six-step reframe you still got you know unless you set the context up right you still got a little variability in terms of people trying to have performance anxiety or whatever when you if you approach it in the right way with symbolism and it's it's um still got a there's still lots of different parts to that to, to making that happen uh, uh right but it's a beautiful way because they're in essence going to find what the symbol wants for them you know the symbol wants something it's like in the six step reframe we're going after the emotion directly and say well what does your unconscious mind have as a higher purpose of that with the symbolism we're letting that evolve and it's going down and evolving as a symbol and later on you have the conscious insight about the fact that something I recognize something's different something you know and you might want to speak to this but there's something's changing inside I can feel that my perception's changing I don't really know quite how this is happening I don't know why that symbol came up and I don't know why and that of course is perfect for us as hypnotists because that's exactly the experience we want our clients and subjects have we want them you know insofar as you know hypnosis is is, is real we want them to have an experience where they can tap into the, the hidden powers that we always hear about in the subconscious. Yeah. Um, but we want them to do that in a way with the minimum amount of conscious interference. We're not triggering the law of reverse uh, effort. We want it to, to be in a way that we can, um, you know, not trigger the law of uh, dominant effect. You know, we want to be able to help them with that. So we're using fundamentally here the law of association with metaphor, which is really what metaphor does, exactly like you said. And bearing in mind that if I start to try and give you my metaphors and symbols, um, the symbols being, should we say, the component parts of the overall bigger metaphor, there's a relationship between them. If I start just telling you them right off the bat, I'm going to miss the mark because you may not like football. You may not like beaches. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know. But when it comes up spontaneously, you capture that moment and you roll with it. Um, you have something very unique that you can you can offer your clients and it, it, it is for people watching listening hopefully we'll have video um genuinely do, do you do feel like something's happening almost or has just happened mm. certainly when i suddenly went for whatever bloody reason magic wand for whatever mm. it, <laughs> yes uh, yeah, yeah. definite sensation of feeling feeling that nice that's powerful nice. yeah uh, awesome. now this is obviously something that you've moved into which we're going along here i've got two notes left on here cool uh the last one is we want to come to your book and how people can contact you and all that but you said before the end to remind you to mention the word traps in terms of traps that therapy you said there's like yes traps yes. people fall absolutely so it's just really the the uh, the a way that i want when i work with um hypnosis now and i, I and, and i work with them um 
over usually in coaches over a period of time is to help them develop that kind of rock solid um, integrated confidence in terms of being able to use use hypnosis. There's lots of techniques, lots of great approaches out there, but you fundamentally got to develop your rituals inside your mind in terms of the uh, the way that you behave, so that you identify any weaknesses inside yourself in the way that you come across, in the way that you use your voice, in the way that you're doing stuff, in your mindset, particularly your mindset and attitudes that you might not be aware of, but somebody who's been there and, and works in that field can actually help you identify and overcome and help you then having overcome that develop those feeling you know that confidence inside and then throw in all this stuff not just that remedial stuff but the generative stuff where they can start to experience that in their life they have their own magic wand the confidence the power the freedom um because otherwise it's an unjust life you know i just don't i think if you live your life feeling trapped and frightened and Particularly, and, and if that is if that's because of a poor attitude or just simply you're not even have the, don't even have the self awareness of it, it's a real shame. You know, people people are capable of pretty amazing things, and so these traps are just the things that I've noticed um, in people who are, shall we say, they've they've either starting off on their journey or more usually they've done lots of stuff, but they're still not using it. They want to use it. But they're not using it or they're not using their coaching or hypnosis as much as they want and they don't really understand why so i'll whiz through these see which ones make sense to you which ones you agree with um I'm, one is the next shiny thing so that's a kind of like basically yeah i think you know where, where i'm going with that the 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 second one would be the i will study with you and i know better well that kind of speaks to itself you know you've got to you know you're an expert on yourself, but if you come, if you're going to learn, if you are going to learn the next shiny thing, then that's not the attitude you really want to bring to it. A sinking feeling that you're feeling more and more behind. So literally what happens is people are now getting the next course and they've got their last 20 ones and they just feel swamped because they don't understand the principles and they haven't embodied them. They've got um, uh, a lot of people either um, feel that they need to have the I am an expert meme, which is basically they need to try and present themselves as an expert, but there's such cognitive dissonance there that they just basically it just freaks out their unconscious mind there's guru love we've talked about that respect people appreciate them learn from them. i'm all in favor of that but if you have somebody on the pedestal that's doing you no favors doesn't do any favor in any of your relationships and the if only i learn one more thing trap if only i learn one more thing i'm just going to be able to i'm going to be an expert you know i can do this um the um there's the um, the relationship between research and practical application and the paradox of a novice achieving mastery. Um, and by that, I mean that um, it's good to know stuff. It's good to learn it. It's good to have an awareness of it. But none of those in themselves are going to be, are going to give you mastery. You're only going to have that through experience and through drilling and having the right guidance and the right information. So you build confidence and competence. Um, what I call mapless madness. So where you have a you know, people not having any kind of uh, place to go. You know that old saying that um, if you um, if you uh, uh, don't, you know, if you um, fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Just, but then you need to have that map, and it needs to be your attitudes, your thoughts, your behaviours, the rituals before you see your client, the rituals when you see them, your follow up afterwards. You know, because if you do your job right and you really take care of someone. You, you know, you can have that relationship for life, you know, and that's really my, my, my aim when I'm working with people. Um, 
there's the un there's the principle of unconscious damage so if you don't understand the power of your word you are already a hypnotist and you're hypnotizing you are giving suggestions the whole time so you've got to have develop a super awareness of that um, how you're using that inside your own mind to talk to yourself but also to other people so you can then clear up the gaps maximize and take the the good parts of that and and spread it out there's your personality type and understanding that and there's weaknesses and strengths and working with that there's your learning strategy and attitude there's a feeling of less than there's a feeling of being more than so if you feel you're less than everyone else well that's going to hold you back but if you feel you're better and above everyone else that's also going to help you back you know you need to kind of move towards the middle there's the principle of plugging your gaps if you don't know the gaps to plug how are you going to plug them there's the I must protect everyone meme where you have some people out there who just feel that they've got to bring that to everything they're doing. They've got to be the permanent um, counsellor. And of course, basically, there you're giving a non-verbal suggestion to everyone that the world is scary, that they're, that they're weak, that they're powerless. It's not helping anyone. There's the law of reversed effort. You, it's great to have a massive desire to uh, be better and help other people. But you can easily be freaking yourself out the whole time consciously by the way you're approaching it, which it's just you've got to nail that. There's the eternal good student trap, which is like it's kind of like being the good girl or the good boy, but it's kind of like evolving into later life that I've got to just be a good student. No, we want you to take this, apply it and use it in your life. Okay. And there's the and there's the the conscious mind um, uh, can be the enemy of success. Um, and your unconscious mind can be a friend. In fact, they can both really you want to make friends with both. We want to make friends with all of you. But it's just kind of understanding that because a lot of people end up having, um, they want to trust hypnosis. They want to trust the unconscious, but they don't know how. And then they just get stuck in their conscious mind thinking, thinking about things. And they just basically get stuck there. So these are like traps. They're all flavors of basically one thing, which is a hypnotist or coach needs to develop certainty inside themselves rock solid certainty that these processes will work and change other people's lives that you're adding value to other people by charging offering your service that, and, and also that you're using this in your life anyway and the only way you're going to get this you've got to you've got to be able to be congruent with that internalize it yourself experience it for yourself see how you can adjust your own mindset your own attitudes your own thoughts behaviors feelings actions so you're really there and I guess if we want to go into like other areas as well, it's kind of what they really say when people talk about the law of attraction. You've got to have your mind, your thoughts, your feelings yeah. aligned with that. Yeah. This is contextualizing it in that line so that you are other people. You now model and mirror for other people what they want. You know, Gandhi had this wonderful saying. It's a lovely story. You know, be the change you want to see in the world. Don't go and try and get everyone else to change. Change yourself. Sort that out. Once you're there in that place, you're going to be much more likely to be able to help other people out. Excellent. Thank you for that, Richard. Look, I've got one more thing here, uh, and then we'll wrap this up because this is this will be currently the record holder for the last week <laughs> interview. Gonna edit that other bit on. This will be about one hour and fifty odd minutes. So congratulations. So far you win awesome. the award. Uh, <laughs> record breaker. Pure, pure content. Thank you for that. For people who are watching, listening, as the case may be, um, as I said before, uh, right at the end, well, below this video, you'll see Richard's website, richardhaggerty.co.uk, which you can click on to contact him, ask him questions, find out about perhaps doing his 
NLP practitioner or master practitioner or trainer trainer if you want to become a trainer of NLP uh, or all three of them or perhaps you'd like coaching in one or more of the areas that uh, Richard has spoken about because he does do peak performance coaching success coaching for people in our industry as well as people outside of it so you know you may want to contact him uh, about stuff like that if you want to dip your toe in the water so to speak if you're already one of my boot camp members do yourself a favor if you've not looked at it already go in the boot camp look at the bit that says 28 days to hypnosis success rich Daggerty, rapid instant change hypnosis and most of the videos are roughly about an hour long so you're on lockdown certainly for the next because this is going to go up today, the 25th of March, 2020. For the next three weeks in England, you're on lockdown. And in many other countries, that's the case as well. And it'll probably go a bit further. So the chances are, if you just watch one video a day for the next four weeks while you're on lockdown, A, it will kill just over an hour of the time you've got that, you, you, that you're at home that you weren't before. But in a positive, constructive way, where you'll be learning and expanding as a therapist, um and you'll just see the genius of how richard's taken the stuff that's in my boot camp not just from me but from 15 other world-class experts and he's taken it all and he goes look at this here's another way of looking at this this is how you can use this practical applications the those of you who are in the boot camp who you'll you've learned a lot yeah but study the 28 days to hypnosis success thing and at the end of it, you'll realize, I know this, this is a wanky saying, but it's true in this context. They say in NLP, and it makes me cringe when they say it. Well, here, I actually truly mean it, is that when you've done the 28 days to hypnosis success, you'll realize you've actually learned more from the boot camp than you consciously realized you'd learned previously. That sounds so winky wanky, but it's true, as you will see. And if you're not in the boot camp, contact me. Um, but look, Richard, you've just recently, um, along with a few other colleagues of yours, brought out a book called The Journey Inside, Coaching to the Core. Mm -hmm. And there is obviously also information about that at richardhaggerty.co.uk. Or you can just go direct to Amazon and type in The Journey Inside, Coaching to the Core, or Richard Haggerty, and it will come up so you can get your copy. Um, tell us a bit about the book. Awesome. Out, what it's Thank about. you. Thank you. So here it is. So that's uh, that's uh, coaching the journey inside, coaching to the core. Um, what are we on? We've got. Um, let's have a look. It has got two hundred and sixty-six odd pages. Um, we start off with um, conscious mind, unconscious mind, the emotions, identity, values. Finish up with the soul, and it's a really interesting book. It's it's quite a unique book, and I'll 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 tell you why. Um, so the first thing is, well, to say, we did this working via Zoom with seven coaches around the world. And these people who I'm working with, they're all, they've worked for, um, I mean, these are sort of big players in their field. They've worked in Dubai for years. They work internationally. They're known as the sort of experts in their fields. You know, they've worked for Standard Chartered, Coca-Cola. You know, these are, these are people who've worked for the big companies mm -hmm. and they've developed their own processes. And um, but they've never taught them before. They've never shared them. So these are ones where people pay literally thousands, tens of thousands to have these people in. And it just happened because I've trained with the, I've, tra I've been on trainings, other trainings with some of these folk over the years that when they were doing it, in fact, true story, they saw me recording 28 Days to Hypnosis Success live on Facebook. Mm 
right. were inspired by it. Couldn't believe that anyone had the energy to put in five, six, seven hours a day, mm. be up to two in the morning every day to do that, deliver that content. And that'll make sense when you look at it in the boot camp because there's flip charts, which you can see, and the work and prep, yeah, it's amazing. Phenomenal. Cool. Thank you. Well, they they, they literally, um, after we put that out there and went in the boot camp, they contacted me and said, look, we, in fact, one of my friends moved back from Dubai. She said, I'm not sure what to do next. I said, write a book. Write a book about your experiences. You can use it to build credibility, blah, blah, blah. I said, I would do that. She called me back a couple of weeks later and said, great. I want to do the book. I want to get seven top class coaches and I want you there. And so that was great for me because what I wanted to do is I want to take all this stuff with focusing on the unconscious mind and I want to be able people to be able to use it because otherwise coaching is too conscious minded. You know, you can get somebody to draw a little graph of your different areas of health and love and oh, go and take some action. But as we know, people are not taking action a lot of the time. Well, why not? Because they are, there's some resistance inside. And so what I wanted to do is if there were two areas, they said, what do you want to write about? And I said, look, metaphor and symbolism and reframing are two really key areas they're not typically explained very clearly mm -hmm. they either people either write books with like hundreds of metaphors in not explaining how to do it i mean there are loads and loads of these books they've gone for hours and hours so and then people think they have to learn the metaphor learn all those stories to be able to use them and then in terms of reframing they think that you have to learn hundreds and hundreds of techniques to be able to use that and it becomes like a you know you have to be an expert and do this course and that course so I wanted to look at what were the principles that made stories and symbolism effective? What are the principles that made reframing effective? And how could I take that knowledge of what I use as a hypnotist and use it so that coaches could take it from the ground up? That, in fact, anyone, because when I talk about hypnosis, I just mean communication. You know, for, for me, like, basically, I'm talking to somebody else or I'm writing whatever. Either they're giving me the finger or they're smiling and they're following along with what I'm saying. I mean, you know, you either, every time you say anything, in a way it's a suggestion and either people are following along or they're not. So you really want to be, have your chops about you anyway. So it's a great book for therapists, coaches, um, parents, you know, um, various other people. It's already been featured on HR Director. It's been featured um, in Choice Magazine. It's been featured loads of these. Kindred Spirit did a blog um, recently it was brilliant so I had a big feature with them about it and the, well, particularly about the, the generative change so if anyone likes what they've done today we can put a link to that it's on the website actually and to the, the feature it takes you through the, the some of the basic questions to be able to use symbolism even beyond what's in the book on Kindred Spirit Kindred Spirit blog yep um, but there's a link on my website if you look on the blogs I've got oh, like okay. a link going directly to it oh, okay so go to Richard Agassi you can see absolutely it's on there um, but really, so what happened was a couple of things. I wanted to bring metaphor and symbolism and reframing. And I wanted people to be able to use it. I wanted coaches to be able to use it. But honestly, I want hypnotists to be able to use it. So I had to find a way to make it more palatable and social to these guys. And you know what? They absolutely loved it. They said, we've, we thought reframing before was just like, oh, it's not a problem. It's a challenge. You know, they just thought it was like something like that, which is really annoying if everyone says anyone ever says that to you. Oh, you've got a problem. You've got a challenge. Oh, no, I haven't. I've got a real problem and I'm feeling crap about it. So you, so this was a way to do that. They loved it. They called it. They suggested we, we call it deep reframing because they really, really enjoyed that. And what happened in the end was, as indeed is often the case with these projects, two of us, um, uh, me and the, the co-author of the first chapter, ended up doing you know, the bulk of the work. Folk would contribute their chapters, but most people thought if we did a chapter, well, that's done. 
honestly, I had to reread and edit those like 20, 30 times each, 60,000 words. So it took 14, 15 months going through that. So honestly, do yourself a favor and get the book. And the reason I say this is not only is it one of the best edited books you'll see in that, it's got all this content in there. It will show you other models as well that you can take and you can use and adapt. It's very clear. We made sure every chapter's got a roadmap. It'll take you through it. It's got a summary at the end. It's got exercises you can do, but it's super clear. And then we had all these kind of things going all over the place. And we had to work with the publisher very clearly to give you a structure. There is a relationship between the conscious mind, the unconscious emotions, values, identity, but we've broken it down there so you can see how to work through all those areas. The models in there have never been published anywhere else before. Um, there's even like TA, which they've taken and transformed and used in a coaching context. Oh, we've got sort of ways, ways, what, yeah, we've got ways of being, which yeah, we've got ways of being, which is a special NLP model working at level of values and identity, which has not been taught before. We have permission to write, I think, for the first time, induce uh, uh, basically use a model of uh, working at the level of identity. And the creator of that model gave permission for the one of their students to be able to write that up and bring that to the book. So, so that's um, so it's nice. It will give you. It's not going to go anything like as advanced as we've gotten today here, but it gives you some solid models that you can use. And if you've got any interest in uh, metaphor, symbolism, reframing, it's a good resource to start with. Um, if you like it, please leave a review on Amazon because that will help us all out. Um, and if there is anything that anyone wants to uh, to talk about in terms of transforming themselves, they've got a block. They want to kind of. Build, you know, um, have some help moving forward, or you want to have an experience like uh, Alex um, has had today, then yeah, please, uh, please get in touch. Excellent. Thank you, Richard. It has been an absolute pleasure. Respect to you, sir. And uh, thank you. Yeah, everyone go to richardaggerty.co.uk. Also go to Amazon uh, and get the book, Coaching to the Core, or to be completely correct, The Journey Inside Coaching to the Core. And um, yeah, we will see you next it's supposed to be next week but you know what because we're currently in this uh covid19 madness the chances are that i'll probably release another interview uh, every couple of days so keep checking back at hypnosisweek.com thanks again awesome. Richard. thank you so much it's been wonderful to see you again thank you for inviting me